Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Count the Dings Westworld podcast. I'm your architect, Anthony Mays, forging the entirety of this podcast with only one tool, the mistake. We've got our very own Bernard replica, complete with Hulk button accessory, Dave Schilling, the man in black constantly searching for the center of the maze, Jake Hoy. We're missing our smart meatball with an incalculable number of thoughts per second. That's a big number. Tom Rehabert Stroboam this week. And much more dangerous than she looks, rocking futuristic gala attire. It's Eden Lou. This week, it's not all about you, you know. Episode six, decoherence. What a decoherent episode. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was this? Good lord. Let's just get into it, man. And then I'll just shred this episode to oh, pieces. Yeah. Shred as we go. Our cold open is a reverie of Maeve holding hands with her daughter in a field. And then she opens her eyes in the valley beyond. Sorak is teasing her. You have no past because it's always pleasant at your oh fingertips. Loving it. Maeve rejects Ciroc's incentives and asks for what Dolores has. Help. If you fail again, your future won't be in such bucolic surroundings. She wakes up back in Warworld. Come on, man. Not again. <laughs> I'm so glad that this was the reaction because I, too, was like, we're here again. I'm done with this little story arc. I'm done with it. I'm glad you felt the same way. It's a rerun. We've got an eight episode season with reruns. Maeve walks into the square. Her Bluetooth is activated. All the soldiers put down their guns and attack Maeve one at a time for a weak ass Neo versus Agent Smith ripoff. Westworld. She finishes killing everyone, well, that got me in the mood, and has a drink with Sizemore at the Italian Mariposa Taverna della Fafale. Maeve can immediately sense that Sirac is integrating insight with Delos. We're home. Random texts locate Hector in cold storage. Maeve has access to all security cameras now. If I can see you there, I can restore you here. Flawless logic. Okay, all right. Sizemore interrupts their makeout sesh because it's all about Sizemore. He always needs attention. 
Dave, why did they bring Sizemore back? It seems like they brought him back for one episode because he had to explain to Maeve what was going on and talk to her and like be that supporting character that she can bounce off of in that one episode. And then it's like, well, we might as well bring him back for another one. We already paid him for, for the season. Why don't we just use him again? But not necessary here at all. Just window dressing. I wish we didn't go back to Waterworld. I wish that Maeve's story would advance beyond this constant loop. But I, I guess that's the point of this show, right? Is that we continue repeating ourselves over and over again without ever learning anything. So much recycling in this episode. We've got recycled actors. We've got recycled storylines. It seems lazy. I guess it's their way of wanting to keep the cast family together. But honestly, just just get him out of here. I don't need him anymore. It just feels like we wasted 15 minutes of time while, while I was watching it. I was like, this is just stuff we did in three episodes ago. Nothing new. Yeah, and it's not like Hector is going to end up having anything to do. Yeah, he God. Die. He dies anyway. Oh, <laughs> they bring him back to just kill him again. Uh, Maeve enters the lab with a naked copy of Dolores. Hello, Maeve. Maeve is jealous that Dolores has the Sublime and the Forge locked away. Dolores correctly points out that Serac is about to wipe out all the hosts. You want me to be a saint, but you're no saint. You're not a villain either, and neither am I. We're survivors. Maeve wants to know if the Sublime is really safe. My daughter and the others who escaped. How do I know that they're safe? When you hold the key to their world in your head, you don't. And there's nothing I can do to change your mind. I could say I would never hurt your daughter. But you wouldn't believe me. You're right. I wouldn't. You could always give me the key. You expect me to trust you with the future of our kind when you've aligned yourself with a man who would slaughter each and every one of us. And what choice do I have but to fight you? It would appear very little. But I probably planned on that. I probably made my own plans. And what would those plans be? I can't know for certain. We were the same, she and I, but our paths have changed us. You'd need allies for this battle. More of our kind. If I were me, I'd be looking to ensure that couldn't happen. This is all just very confusing doublespeak. <laughs> Maeve sees Charlotte unplug and pulverize Hector's control unit in the real world, collapsing in front of her in War World. Dave, another sad Matrix ripoff to the iconic scene with Switch. If you have anything terribly important to say to Switch, I suggest you say it now. Oh no, please don't. Not like this. Not like this. Too late. We get a nice little montage of Maeve's new body being built, and then she's naked in the labs to finish up her arc. Yeah, this sucked. <laughs> this also sucked. Who's worse, Dave, Maeve or Charlotte? Uh, I have to go with Maeve. Uh, I know that Maeve was a fan favorite last season and the season before for being kind of like quippy and fun and, and sexy and stuff. 
But her story has gone nowhere. She's still worried about her daughter, who is now in robot heaven. (laughs) She has to have some other drive. Yeah, if the only purpose is to reinforce that everyone's just living on their loop, like, we get the point, okay? Yeah, let's move the story on. And another thing that really chapped my ass, Maeve and Dolores are supposedly the two most important characters in this show, right? They're kind of the diametrically opposed forces of this show. Or at least we've been led to believe that they're important and that they're sort of different poles of host society or this burgeoning host society. So when they sit down to have a conversation, finally, like where they can just like talk about their differences and their issues with each other, they, like you said, just talked around each other in circles about nothing. And I'm like, this is the least dramatic thing I've ever seen in my life. It is devoid of, of tension or drama. I don't learn anything new about these characters. Because, again, in a lot of ways, they're not characters. They're robots that don't have any feelings or emotions <laughs> besides the ones that are invented for them by Sizemore or by Ford or whoever. You know, they're still programmed. And so it's that's not an excuse for them to be inert or boring. Doesn't stop them, though. No, not at all. There's a treading water component to her story right now that I doesn't seem to have a lot of urgency. But I was not too bothered. I, I liked the scene with Sizemore. I like the deceit, you know, that was presented with Hector. I thought we were going to see her go into battle with Hector and that was quickly pushed aside. So I, I didn't, I thought it was fine. Our man William at the Inner Journeys Recovery Center is in group therapy and absolutely shits all over everyone in the best scene of the episode. What a monologue. God. God's fucking plan. Do you believe in Santa Claus too? All right, William. Do you want to share more of your thoughts with us? My thoughts? Okay. I think humanity is a thin layer of bacteria and a ball of mud hurtling through the void. I think if there was a God, he would have given up on us long ago. He gave us a paradise and we used everything up. We dug up every ounce of energy and burned it. We consume and excrete, use and destroy. Then we sit here on a neat little pile of ashes having squeezed anything of value out of this planet and we ask ourselves, why are we here? You want to know what I think your purpose is? It's obvious. You're here along with the rest of us to speed the entropic death of this planet. To service the chaos. We're maggots eating a corpse. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? Him relating humans to bacteria is also a Matrix reference. Agent Smith calls humanity a virus. It's loaded with Matrix in this episode. 
William tells Dr. Lang he doesn't belong here. Dr. Lang asks about his daughter, and if he feels bad about it, her phone won't stop ringing. She recommends him for AR therapy that is used on veterans suffering from PTSD, a.k.a. our man Caleb. William knows what he did, spent so long playing the game he couldn't see outside of it, but now he knows he killed his daughter and wants to die. Dr. Lang is distracted because her husband saw her Rehobophile and left her for getting addicted to opioids and fucking her patients in the future. Damn. (laughs) It's cold. No trying to talk her out of it, just assuming it's going to happen or already has happened. It's done. We're out of here. Don't contact me. That's not really logical. Now that she knows that's going to happen, that affects her future, right? It certainly did. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if she was already on opioids and maybe fucking someone, because to go from zero to 60 like that is dramatic, and she seemed totally on the level in the present. When I read it, I felt like it was coming down the line. That neither of those things were... Yeah, two and a half years from now. So much for the bond that they had, right? You know, she didn't read his file. And once again, like you pointed out last week, Dave, we just have no emotional basis for this woman. She's introduced and immediately her life is destroyed. It didn't affect me in any way because I didn't like her. I didn't dislike her. I didn't know her. She just... She just hung herself. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess you had other problems besides infidelity and drug use because ending your life over a divorce seems pretty intense. Oh, you'll get there, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I've already done it. I'm fine, I think. Oh. Oh, it's the next one, Dave. Oh, Lord. It's the second divorce that gets you. You're like my own Rehobo here, Jake. I'm the predictor, Jake. (laughs) Talk to me. Dude, I'm the theory maker. I am the predictor. 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 I'm going to close your loop. No, no. She closed the loop on that noose. Oh, my God. (laughs) Horrible. Did you love how she added the, the, the books? Yeah. To the desk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, all of that was just a means to get him out of the facility, ultimately, right? It made sense. I mean, if there's chaos outside, there'd be chaos inside, too. They attach a drip to the roof of William's mouth. So does he not have one because he spent so long in the park? Or do only the sick and veterans have the metal implant? Because it seems like everybody has it earlier in the season. Yeah, that's a great point, you know, because we've never heard of this drip and we've been introduced to people on many occasions coming to the park. Maybe the wealthy. Well, we know the wealthy use it. Yeah, because that guy in the first episode. Jerry, he uses it when he goes to sleep and he's rich as hell. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Good you, point. It could yep. be that, that William has an aversion to it and thinks yeah. it's bad. He's like an anti-vaxxer? Yeah, he has like yeah. Luddite tendencies in some ways. Even though he he will have sex with robots, um, he does seem kind of skeptical <laughs> of certain things. Yeah, he still has boomer tendencies. <laughs> he does. Strong boomer tendencies. <laughs> the tech complains about overtime and that half the staff is gone. Corporate incompetence, presumably due to the Rehobo leak. An unknown protein is detected in William, which causes a data breach. Tracing data transmission, recipient server detected. This is what Charlotte pricked him in the neck with, giving Dolores access to William. 
William is returned to his cell as Dr. Lang hangs herself. Then Dr. Alpert initiates the AR therapy on William, puts some goggles on him. Child William enters and unstraps him. Flashback to his childhood bedroom reading Sir Rowan and the Lady of Sulon, which is a book they made up for the show featuring a character named Sir Logan who pulls a sword out of his head. Oh, Lord, that sucks. The Redditors had a lot of fun with this, but it is trash. They made up a book. I mean, for a a one-off shot. Why is it watching the sword in the stone or something? Because the sword in the stone didn't have an appropriate metaphor, I guess. So they had to go to this. A lot of people are speculating Rowan is Rehoboam and the Lady of Sulon is Dolores, but who cares? (laughs) William bites the fingers of an orderly trying to sedate him. Then they put him out. Major Craddock appears as an orderly and takes William to group. This time, it's all Williams. We've got inner child, man in black, young William, a.k.a. Jimmy Simpson, another recycling program, corporate William, and then mediator Jim Delos for no reason. Shit. This scene is completely insane as they all argue with each other. Delos calls young William an ambitious little cunt. MIB mocks young William for falling in love with a host. William, don't interrupt. It's not all about you, you know. Ha ha ha. See? Because it, it's all of them or him. Hilarious. I didn't get it until you explained it. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't mind the scene too terribly much. I just don't really think that it did the job it was supposed to do, which is feel trippy and weird and funny and give you oh, a reason like for it. his change. I just I, I like bringing back the guy who played Delos. I think he's a really good actor who, yes, sadly, is lost in the shuffle of this show. The um, other Brian Cox. I was gonna say, basically, <laughs> like if they had Logan Roy, fuck off, as the lead of this show. He's, yeah. I think, he's great. I think he's really. Oh, good. he's phenomenal. He was the best part of Ozark. It's just they gotta find a better reason to bring him back. I, I don't think we really understand Williams relationship to him as well as we should at this point in the show i like the stunt of all the ed harris's oh definitely but it was just such doublespeak again it was nonsense talk there was nothing to be gained from all the williams ripping on each other corporate william tries to blame his dark urges on playing the game inner child william says his books were his one escape they flash back to childhood again william broke a kid's arm and knocked out his teeth for calling william's dad a drunk Then choice becomes our focus yet again. So I never had a choice. This was how it was always going to turn out. What do you think, William? Was this the inevitable end? You're just a passenger. Did your life just happen to you? Or did you choose it? can't tell does it matter I know what I have to do William ends up killing all of his own duplicates 
They all lie dead as Ed Harris smashes Jimmy Simpson with a chair while Delos watches. Cathartic, isn't it? William is no longer a prisoner of his own sins. He's found his purpose. I'm the good guy. And then everyone's favorite dream team, Chubbs and Bernard, arrive to pull the AR goggles <laughs> off of William. He's just been an AR for God knows how what long. As the facility has been evacuated, and here he is. He's a good guy now. You buying it? I have a frustration with, with some of the storytelling here because somehow like the show is more focused than it was last year, but still not focused enough because I lost complete track of what Chubbs and Bernard are supposed to be doing or where they are or why they're doing what they're doing. Martin shows Bernard the recovery center last episode sure i get it but like and why are they there like what is their purpose in this narrative we still don't know no i mean bernard's get less time than the therapist got in this episode (laughs) exactly like there was one really good couple of scenes in the first episode there hasn't been a bernard episode his storyline is so not there that when he shows up, it's almost become like a like a joke, like it's a punchline. <laughs> like, oh well, there's Bernard and Chubbs again. Great. What the fuck is this? I don't know. I'm upset. <laughs> My question was: Is the unknown protein the tracer that was put into his blood? Yes, that's one that when it happened, I had to jump on Reddit, and there was a couple people who were optimistic that this was a clue that he is a host, but it's clearly not that. It's just a tracking device. At first, when that happened, I thought that Dolores put something in William that was giving her, like, backdoor access to the system Mm -hmm. at Inner Journeys to allow Mm -hmm. her to hack the data. But I think it Mm -hmm. was just a tracking device. Yeah. And then I thought for a second that Charlotte uploaded the data to William somehow. But once again, she was just checking his location. Speaking of Charlotte, she drops off Nathan at Jake's place. The world is still chaotic. Someone's spray painting the maze on the wall. The news recommends quarantining at home. So the Rehobo leak is kind of like the coronavirus. Jake says the real Charlotte would be fearless. He decided not to read his file and believes it's their choice to decide what their future holds. Little does he know, she's a fucking host. (laughs) Better than what he had before. My man Brompton is pissed. He can't get a coffee before their emergency board meeting. So two insight mercs disguised as janitors kill him and dump him in a mobile trash can. Bye, Brompton. Dramatic. That was jarring, though. Sorak is taking advantage of the chaos to move freely in daylight. He's on his way to Delos. Charlotte calls Dolores to share her failure, but Dolores needs the host-making data before Sirak destroys it. Charlotte is worried about her family. They're not your family. Fucking duh, wake up, Charlotte. Dolores needs you to step up and stop whining. And Dolores explains she doesn't edit emotions anymore after what happened with Teddy. This little speech was a callback to right before Teddy killed himself because she took his emotions away, and then he basically says, what's it all for? Sorak arrives and immediately locks down Delos as the systems integrate. Sorak is working on giving Maeve three teammates. After that, Sorak plans to destroy a trillion dollars of intellectual property. He just wants the encryption key and to root out Dolores' copy. He says all of this directly to Charlotte. 
Charlotte makes a copy of the host data. Elliot catches her and plans to snitch, so Charlotte snaps his neck. So Bronson and Elliot, good knowing you guys. Charlotte uploads the host data, then checks on William. Finally, she sees Maeve's crew's bodies being printed and that Ciroc has recovered Dolores' control unit from Martin's host body. So based on the serial numbers, people were able to deduce that we've got Clementine coming for sure. Obviously, one of them was Hector until he gets pulverized and then a body to be named later. Got to be Armistice, right, Dave? I think so. You would imagine. I mean, that would be the the most uh, action heavy character you could bring in and one that would serve a lot of purposes, assuming we get a big battle in the last episode. Because if we don't get any sort of action in the last episode, I'm going to burn my television. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, you're, you're going to get tons of action. I mean, this was an action episode. Yes, it was. I mean, I was wondering if it was going to be the man in black, like a host version of the man in black so that you've got the one human and the one host. That's an interesting the man in black and the man in white, the good guy now. Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. He is in white. Well, cause they have all of that data, right? Could they just create somebody that they want to create as a deception? I mean, it could be his shell, but the control unit, he doesn't have a control unit. So everybody was basing this off of the serial numbers of the control unit. Mm -hmm. right so even if it was man in black it'd still be whoever inside the body gotcha yes dolores is clearly planning to take caleb back to the facility where he was edited that's why she needed williams tracking data charlotte gets a gun and a gas canister out of her safe calls jake says she'll be there in 30 minutes or something soraka's called a board meeting knows that charlotte is the host the real charlotte would never take the time to check on your son so human Charlotte is fearless and emotionless. The host is the one with vulnerabilities. Ha ha, I see what they did there, Dave. Oh yeah? You saw that? Look at that. See, they're saying that hosts are realer than humans. Perhaps we are the machines. Sorak says Charlotte is alone and hits Dolores with the oft-repeated Romeo and Juliet quote, These violent delights have violent ends. Charlotte's gas canister has taken everyone out except for Ciroc, who is, of course, a hologram. He's hologramming into meetings from somewhere else in the building. Charlotte starts killing QA left and right, fights a security guard in the elevator. Charlotte destroys Hector in his own one lab and tries to shoot her way out of the building. When QA stops her, she activates Chekhov's riot control host, which <laughs> smashes through massive concrete walls to save the day before tossing a dude 300 yards at his pro day, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, this guy might be the Patriots' next quarterback. He's got a gun. He can make all the throws. He's got uh, grit, he's got toughness, and he's you know, got a high football IQ. He, he's doing a lot better than Caleb's partner there on the, at the construction <laughs> job. Oh my God. Yeah. That was so pathetic, man. The mini, the mini version that just was like, boop. Yeah, that guy didn't have much lateral quickness. <laughs> he's a straight line runner <laughs> Charlie picks up Jake and Nathan promises to keep them safe boom car bomb Charlotte crawls out of the wreckage like Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar and Dave's favorite movie Revenge of the Sith credits okay this was great I love this scene yeah I did not expect that did you yes of course you did they were gonna I get away scot-free also, those was, characters didn't matter anymore. 
No, I mean, it, and you spent the whole episode feeling like she was expendable and going to go down. But in that moment, I thought that was pretty, pretty powerful. Also, uh, another hint that this was not going to turn out well for old Hey Loris is she's played by Tessa Thompson, who's like a big movie star now and probably doesn't want to keep doing this bullshit ass HBO show anymore. What? I didn't just what say, other I movies? Say, what movies? She's in that new Men in Black. She's a, she's in Creed. Yeah, that was Creed big. Duke, Avengers. Oh, yeah. I don't pay attention to that. Garbage. He's going to be in the new Thor movie. <laughs> That's, these just, are these are not these are just commercials. They're not movies. She's in Sorry to Bother You. She does real acting. She was in Creed. I think she probably was like, I'd like to leave this season. I know I'm not important <laughs> to the end game. But can I at least get a fun death? They're like, yeah, we're going to set you on fire. How about that? But she's not dead. She's not dead. She's just melted. Dave, what happened on this week's featurette? We start with some discussion of Hale and Hale's character and, and, and who she is and, and what this all meant to her. It's very exciting stuff. Talking about the dichotomy between the, the Hale host character and the real person. We get some stuff with Lisa Joy. It's very exciting. And then halfway through, we, we pivot to talking about how they made the exploding supercar happen. They explain that they couldn't blow up the future car because it was yeah. expensive. Yeah. So they CG'd in a, an exploding Jeep. They could blow up and they blew it up in a parking lot and then just swapped it out and post with the supercar. Well, they also couldn't do the explosion on the street on which they filmed. Exactly. Yeah. I enjoyed this featurette, actually. And then we get to see uh, Tessa Thompson in the full, like, burn unit uh, makeup (laughs) with her um, stunt double. And it's grotesque. She looks awful. She looks like, you know, when you when you overcook a hot dog on Fourth of July and it starts to get all shriveled (laughs) up and black. It splits and peels. Yeah. Peels, gets wrinkly. Yeah. That's what she looked like. It's gnarly. And her stunt double, too. Yeah. There were two of them. One of the most gruesome things they've had on the show so far, I think, is yeah. this disgusting corpse. But yeah, you might be right. She might be coming back. I mean, she certainly isn't dead at the end. But, I mean, who's going to repair her and, and put her her skin back on? Chubbs? <laughs> Bernard? Uh, yeah. Be- because now... If Bernard catches up to her, maybe he can recruit her to their side. Mm, interesting. You know? I'm so frustrated with the idea that Holoris or Charloris or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be mm. is the only one that seems to be having any problems being who they are. Adjusting. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this version of Dolores? so emotional when Martin did his job perfectly from the little we've seen of Musashi. He did his job perfectly. There's no quibbling with them. I don't get it. Maybe because of the scenario in which she's been placed versus the jobs the other two had to do. I mean, once you had running the Yakuza, it's not necessarily an emotional landscape there. Yeah. Terrorizing Liam doesn't engender emotions for that guy 
Right. But she's got to have a kid. You she's got to have, have a, a husband to yeah. have sex with. Yeah. It's got to be weird. Well, not anymore, though. They're gone. Well, now she's got a motivation for revenge. And it's just a question of where she wants to direct that. Right. Is it back at Ciroc or is it? towards Dolores. I mean, I like this episode. I like the forward momentum. It was interesting to spend all of this time without Dolores, right? She just had the one scene, no Caleb. So now we'll go back and get his story in the next episode, I suppose. That's what I'm really excited for. And I think that's part of the problem is I felt like we were on the brink and then they're like, oh, yeah, we have to catch up with the other characters that have been on the bench for an episode or two. <laughs> let's, let's go back to War World with Maeve. Let's check in with Charlotte and her fake family again. Let's let's do that. There are fewer characters on this show than there have ever been yeah. in the previous few seasons. And yet it still feels like there's not enough time spent on any of them. And every single human that gets introduced also gets killed. Yeah, except for Caleb. Because he's not a human. Maybe. We'll see. That's the frustrating part for me. I think it's it's never looked better. I think this is one of the most beautiful TV shows there's ever been from a yeah. pure aesthetic standpoint. Yeah. I think Evan Rachel Wood should be an action star in movies tomorrow. I like Aaron Paul as an addition to this because he adds a, an emotion and a soulfulness to the show has been missing. But man, I, there's too many fucking characters. And not enough story. Well, it's a funny thing, right? Because early on, if they're going to lean into this Terminator direction, and it's kind of been a high gloss action series this season more than anything, right? Sacrificing the slow burn story for the the big action sequences or the, the big concept ideas. I mean, this one I liked more than I thought I would, but maybe because of all the focus on the man in black, it's a lot of performance, but not necessarily a lot of new information. Yeah, there's a lot of depth going on right now. It's all very surfacey, and that's fun to watch the first time through. Every time I watch an episode for the mm-hmm. first time, it's like, oh man, that was fun. I yeah. enjoyed it. It looked yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens next week. And then I think about it for a little bit and I'm like, yeah, but did I care? Did I care about anything? Whereas if I'm watching Saul or if yeah. I'm watching any drama, even going back to Game of Thrones, like yeah. I'm feeling everything. Oh, I yeah. And I just don't oh, care but, as much about these. You know what? Here's the thing about the show. The investment in the previous seasons was all about solving the puzzle. I never felt like there, there was a a heavy investment in given characters or a rooting for a character. I don't have an emotional connection to the story in the way that we do with Saul or the other shows you're talking about. There's no puzzle this year. That's the weird thing. Story now, instead of it being something you have to figure out. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a straight ahead action show. And all of the seams of this premise are showing because you can't just do this kind of straightforward action drama without stakes without emotional stakes without characters that you care about bernard and chubbs show up and i laugh because i don't give a shit about them and they're not really important it's rosencrantz and gildenstern i think this is show is really becoming about the spectacle 
Yeah. And it is mostly an entertainment. I've gone to rewatch things to then talk about them. They're not easy to rewatch. When you know what's coming, you're like, yeah, you know, and it's because it's not doing the puzzling in the same complex way as they did previously, which they did really well in season one, a lot less well in season two. You're not, there's, you're not trying to nitpick out all these clues all the time. They had the big puzzle at the beginning and the only puzzle now is like who, who and what is Caleb is Sirac a villain or a good guy or something in between. Well, that brings up one question I wanted to ask before we end this is now that they've announced for sure there is a season four and it is very clear that it is not going to be the last one because they didn't announce it as right. the last one. Where is this show going to go in season four? Because each season seems to be kind of intended to be a, an open and shut case, like a, a chapter in a book that has a very mm-hmm. unique either premise or a unique location. Right. Are we going to stay in future LA next season or are we going to go somewhere else? Are we going to, are we going to find out what's in the sublime? Are we going to find out this is a theme park and we're going to take a step back again? Like, what do you guys think? Do you want Ciroc around in season four? No. So you want him to be a season three antagonist, one and done. Yeah, there's not a lot of depth in this guy for him to come back. I mean, that's the other piece puzzle thing that we will we'll maybe be sorted out, right? But maybe not this season. I don't know that Ciroc disappears by the end of this season. I, I We have two left? Two left. I mean, it's tough. It's not like Saul where you're like, there's no way they're letting Ciroc go because he <laughs> just hasn't had the kind of screen time that like Lalo has. But yet, who else could there be? It's not someone from this season, right? It would have to be a new character. My speculation, Dave, would be we could enter a Terminator-type situation where Dolores is building up her world and then maybe there's a human revolution. Mm. I could be into that. Let's so, Caleb. Because Caleb's not going anywhere. Caleb's around. Caleb's going to make it to season four. Yeah, you don't bring Aaron Paul in and say, well, it was nice knowing you take care. Like, he's coming back. And he'll probably be, be more important next season, and he might end up being our hero. Him and the man in black might end up teaming up in some way when this is right. all over. But uh, right. are you suggesting that this is going to be a situation where we do a time jump? I don't think they're going to wipe Sirak off the board. I don't think there's enough time. Only two episodes left. Next week's going to be all about Caleb's backstory. And then episode eight will be a big final battle. But I don't think that Dolores is just going to wipe the slate clean and, and sit on the throne, essentially. Great point. So I think they roll it over. He's never there. Yeah, he's always a hologram. I think you're right. I think Sirach does come back because there's no way to get him off the board. When you get a man like Vincent Cassell, you do not give him a one-year contract. You give him a player option. (laughs) I don't know that we get the same kind of clothes we've gotten to the previous two seasons because we don't know what we're building to. And this is a notoriously short season. It's two episodes shorter than the last two. Just a reminder, the next two episodes title of episode seven is past pawn a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out clearly that's about francis and caleb i wanted to float something on that i think that maybe francis is still alive yeah maybe oh because it would be interesting to bring in kid cuddy i mean obviously he's going to be in this flashback episode right 
But if there was a cover-up or something, I, I could see him making an appearance in the present day. Final episode is uh, Crisis Theory, episode eight, and the final episode of the season. Uh, Jay time, wrote that one. <laughs> time to face the music. Is that a metaphor for the writer's room? Did they have a crisis theory and they had to face the music when Jonathan Nolan came in and said, where's my script? Where's my script? Uh, also, keep in mind, for those of you who TiVo or DVR or whatever... For those of you who are wondering, and this is going to be, you know, a big, huge reveal episode, like very climactic and, and, and dramatic. This one is an, an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, so stick around for an extra long episode of Westworld on Sunday, May 3rd. Choice has been the subject of Saul, of Devs, of Westworld lately. I think Westworld easily handles it the worst of those three. I cannot decide if William is making choices or not. I cannot decide if anyone here is making choices. The bubbles of agency, I'm not seeing them. But somehow, I keep making a choice to watch this show every week (laughs) and to break it down with my good friends, Dave Schilling, Jake Hoy, and Eden Liu. We miss you, Tom Haberstroh. We'll see you next week. Sounds good, looks good, feels good too.